This sermon is titled, The Church's Final Mission. Be enriched as you listen. I want to quickly share a few testimonies before we get into God's Word. Is that okay? Oh, that's not heartfelt. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Just a few quick testimonies. Um, so here's a, a person who shared a testimony. She said, I was diagnosed with a hemorrhagic cyst in my left ovary three weeks ago. So this, this testimony came in. Uh, this was the 12th of April, so a couple of weeks back. Uh, uh, and the cyst was bigger than the ovary. Uh, the doctor said, of course, she went to get checked up and so on and so forth. The doctor gave medication for three weeks. And then after that, she was scheduled. She had to go in for a, a laparoscopic surgery. And uh, um, then we had Supernatural Sunday uh, when we anointed people with oil and prayed for healing. And... Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, and actually, when she came, she never told us, you know, that this is, was a problem. She was just anointed with oil and just went. Um, and then she said uh, she continued declaring the word. She continued uh, standing on the word. And then she went for a regular follow-up checkup uh, for the ultrasound. And she said the technician couldn't find the cyst. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. And so, all is well. There's no need for surgery, and thank God for that. Uh, here's another testimony. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, I'm just speaking out the main points. There's a lot written in the testimony. Um, there was a uh, person here suffering uh, because of tendonitis and bursitis. Now, this was from August of 2020 uh, in her right shoulder and arm. And so, it was very painful. She couldn't do her regular household work and, and, she, and so on. It hurt very bad. Now, Supernatural Sunday, this was towards the end of 21, and December 21. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Shouldn't cough in the mic. Uh, she, uh, she'd come for prayer, uh, and uh, she continued, to be, continued believing God. And after two weeks, the pain started gradually disappear, uh, decreasing, and then she sends this testimony that she doesn't have any more of that excruciating pain. It's all gone. Uh, she's able to cook and do all her household work normally. And she says, it feels so good to be a normal person after a year and a half. Amen. Praise God for that. And here's another healing testimony. Uh, this was from last Sunday's uh, Supernatural Sunday. Uh, so when, when there was a call out for bones to be healed... Um, uh, this person was sitting in the church. He had a splint in the middle finger in his left hand. There was a hairline fracture that happened uh, the previous week. And so for four to five days, his hand was in a splint. And his uh, doctors had advised him to keep it for three weeks. Uh, now, in the service, after prayer time, he removed the splint and he tried to move his finger. But it was paining. So he put the splint back, uh, continued to pray. And then... Towards the end, when the benediction time came, uh, the Holy Spirit just prompted him to check again. So he took out the splint. He started moving his fingers, and there was no pain. He says, I was shocked. I, I could continue to check my check so many times. And uh, yeah, so he said, I just missed giving testimony last week. So the pain is gone. Splint is gone. And, uh, uh, you know, he says, I could do normal stuff. The finger is is ginger still, but he says, I can do everything. From the next day onwards, he, was, he could do everything. Amen? 
Thank God for these testimonies. And I'm sure that many more people have received wonderful things in their lives. Uh, but thank God for those who, you know, take time to uh, share their testimonies so that we could share it with everyone else and celebrate together. Amen. All right, so this morning, I, um, this is not going to be, it's not going to be a very heavy message. It's more of a, a message that I feel we need to be reminded of from time to time so that we, you know, we can stay focused on things that are important to God and important for us as believers. I want to just take a few moments this morning to speak to us on the church's final mission. The church's final mission. Why is God still keeping us here on this earth? Why doesn't he just evacuate us all? Take us home. Be in heaven. Be in his presence. Why is he keeping us here? Because there is a mission. A work that the church has to finish. And I just want to remind us about that this morning. We're going to start with Matthew, the 24th chapter, and we look at verses 3 to 14. So if you have your Bibles, we will read that passage, Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. Now, this morning, I, I don't want to be prescriptive. That means I don't want to tell you what to do. Uh, I will hope that the Lord will speak to you, and the Lord will guide each one of us uh, as he desires. But I want to just present the mission to us. And then each one of us, as led by the Lord, uh, will have to do our part. So my intent is not to tell you what you should do, but rather to present the mission, and then you seek the Lord. You know, what does God want you to do as part of this mission? In Matthew 24, verses 3 to 14, this was towards the end of uh, the ministry of Jesus, his earthly ministry, and uh, the disciples came to him, and, you know, Jesus had been talking to them about the end times. He said, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in, 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 in the clouds of glory. You're going to see him come in his kingdom. And so they were very curious as to when that was going to happen. And so they mustered enough courage. Matthew chapter 24, we'll read from verse 3, to ask him about that. Verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So it says, when is this going to happen? When are you going to come into your kingdom? When is the end of the age going to take place? You know, when is all this going to? Give us a date. Give us a time. And Jesus answered and said to them, verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. 
Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then they will be offended. Then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. The many false prophets will arise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Let's read verse 14 together, please, everybody. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. One more time. Let's read verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the Lord gave many signs, and I just want to focus on what he said in verse 14. That this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom, will be preached in all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, if you look at it uh, if from, a, from a broad perspective or a high-level perspective, the gospel has reached all nations. Never before in history has there been so much of proclamation of the gospel through all kinds of means that we have. And thank God for that. But what is interesting is the word nations, Jesus used the word ethnos, which literally means tribe or people groups. So he says this gospel will be preached to every tribe or people group. So it's going down to a micro level, meaning it's going down to a level much bigger than nations as we understand it. He's talking about people groups or groups of people who, have, who are common, of course. That this gospel must reach all people groups. And in the Great Commission, which we are all familiar with, in uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter, and when he gave us this great commission. So if you just turn a few pages, so this was after his resurrection and before his ascension. Jesus gave us the great commission. And I'm just going to read that out. We are all familiar with that. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says here, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he not only told us to go preach the gospel, he also told us to disciple the nations. And once again here, the word nations is the same word ethnos, which means tribe or people groups. So we have to proclaim the gospel and disciple people groups. So what is the church's mission? What did he leave the church with? Go preach the gospel and disciple people groups. 
That's nations, ethnos, tribes, people groups. Are you with me? So that is the church's final mission. He's, he's kept us here. So look, I've given you work to do. Go get the good news out and disciple those who respond. And you can't go and force everybody, force everybody to become disciples. But those who respond to the gospel, then you disciple. Show them how to follow Christ. But disciple people groups. So that is the mission of the church. And in some way, you and I are part of that mission. Because we are part of the church. So whatever you do in life, right? We, are all, we all have different vocations, you know. Some of us, you study, you've been an engineer, a doctor, or whatever, whatever, whatever. You have so many different careers these days. Life is so complicated, so many choices to make. But whatever you do, as part of the church, this is your mission. To bring the good news and to disciple people, groups. Some way or another, we need to be involved. So, just to mention very briefly here the difference between evangelism and missions. Evangelism is something we're all called to do, which is to share the good news. But you share the good news with people all around you. That's evangelism. You're bringing the good news to somebody. That person has the opportunity to hear the good news either through you or through other people. That person has access to the good news, either through the church or through other medium. But you are sharing the gospel. God is using you, and you're evangelizing. You're sharing the good news. But missions is different in the sense that we are taking the gospel to people, or we are being part of that process of getting the gospel out to people who have not had the opportunity who do not have access to the gospel, who do not have a, a means by which a self-aviable church or a community of believers can be sustained amongst them. So it is getting or reaching these people groups that Jesus talked about. Are you with me? So we use the word evangelism, we use the word missions, Evangelism is you sharing the good news with people who need to know Jesus. And evangelism is important because people need to be saved. But missions is this part of taking the message and discipling people groups who don't have the means to have a, a, a self-sustaining community of believers amongst them. That's the difference. And we use evangelism and missions. Now, I want us to understand about how much is left to finish the Great Commission? We'll talk about some numbers. But when you look at the numbers, you can easily see that the work can be done. The work can be done. Now, these numbers are available on certain mission websites. And one of them that I would, that maybe I took these numbers from and which I would refer you to is called the Joshua Project. So it's just joshuaproject.net. 
So if you just remember that, you go online. And I encourage you to visit that site because it's, they've, they've done a great work, a lot of information on what needs to be done. So joshuaproject.net. So what's the information? And you know, keep in mind, these numbers may not be precise, but they're representative. They tell us a real story. There are 17,413 people groups in the world. You all with me? You're looking at the numbers? Okay. Don't fall asleep. They came to church and pastor started numbers. <laughs> there are 17,413 people groups in the world, out of which 7,387, that is 42%, are classified as unreached. Now, it looks like a big number. But unreached. Now, what do we mean by unreached? That means these are people groups where they don't, they're not enough followers of Christ to have a self-sustaining evangelism happening amongst themselves. They're not enough believers in that people group. You all with me so far? Uh, let's keep the numbers on the screen, please. Okay. Now, if you look at it in terms of global population of the world, there's approximately 7.83 billion people, out of which 3.29 billion, again, same number, approximately 42% are unreached. That's a pretty big number. 42% are still unreached. But when you try to look at it in terms of what is available with the church versus the work that needs to be done, this is what we see. And I, the numbers I'm about to share are a little dated. They're not current. They're almost 10 years old. It's from the 2013 um, issue of the International Bulletin of Missionary Research that is from Princeton Theological Seminary. It was put out in 2013, so it's about 10 years old. But these are the numbers. I just want you to look at it. So the task seems very big, but look at the resources with the church. There are approximately, and again, these numbers would have changed, right, in the last 10 years, but there are approximately 44,000 Christian denominations. That is, you have six denominations for every unreached people group. That means they can choose from six denominations. There are 700 million evangelical Christians, which means there are 95,000 Christians for every unreached group. That means even if one person from 100,000 person decides to go. So I'm just saying the church has what it takes to get the job done. Are you listening? The job looks big, the numbers. But look at what is with the church. So 95,000 
believers, for Christians, for every unreached group. Or you look at it in terms of congregations. There are 4.5 million Christian congregations in the world. That means you have approximately, and these are approximate numbers, 610 congregations for every unreached people group. As you can choose from 600 churches, which one you want to go. Lastly, there are approximately 4,900 Christian mission agencies, sending agencies. That means you have 0.5 agencies for every unreached people group, or that simply means every agency has to adopt only two unreached people groups and will get the work done. Are you listening? The point is simply this. The work seems great, but the church has what it takes to reach the unreached people groups. Are you getting that message? It, it's possible. It's doable. But there's a slight twist to this. Are you ready for the twist? There are two problems, not problems, but some things that we have to keep in mind as we think about this. That major, majority of the unreached people groups are in India. Where are the majority of the unreached people groups? Let me hear you. Right here. In our land. And we will keep this map on for a while, please. It's got to, even if those who are sleeping, somehow it'll get in. No. Secondly, the second point we have to keep in mind is that much of the church's current spending and activity and efforts is on people who have already been reached. So our focus has to be on where the people are. So if you see this map, and I, I don't know how clear it is up on the screen, but the red dots are indicating where uh, each red dot represents an unreached people group. And you can see clearly from the map that the concentration is in India and some parts of Asia. And then when you see the yellow and the light green, those are partially reached. So you've, you, you've, you follow them, follow those dots. The yellow and the light green, of course, you'll see them mostly going through Africa. And, 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 and you see this rectangular box. That's often referred to as the 1040 window. So 10 degrees north to 40 degrees north. This is called the 1040 window, just to identify that this is the space that we really need to focus a lot of our efforts on. Are you with me? I'm not saying that there are no people, other people who need to be saved, other parts of the world. But if you're talking about ethnos, or talking about people groups who still need a viable, self-sustaining community of believers amongst them, then you have to look at the red dots 
the yellow dots and the light green dots. That's where our focus has to be. And that's where we should be spending our time, money, and effort on to fulfill this final mission. Are you all with me so far? So the red dots are concentrated basically in Asia, India a lot, and then some parts of Asia. So this is our responsibility because we are right here. The resources are available. The numbers show that the work can be done. But we the church, and I would say we the church in India, have to take up our responsibility for this final mission of the church. This gospel must be preached among all people groups. Go and make disciples of all people groups, nations. It's right here. So our role in this final mission of the church, I want to just read one more passage of scripture today. Romans chapter 10. What is our role? Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now shall they hear without a preacher. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So Paul is reminding us here in this passage, he says, you know, how can they believe in someone whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone goes and tells them? And how can someone tell them unless they are sent? So if you want to break down this whole process of bringing the good news and discipling these people groups, there are three ways that you and I can be involved. We can reach, we can equip, and we can support. We can reach, we can equip, and we can support. But you're still part of the process of the church's final mission. So reach is basically go. Go to these people. If you zoom in further into looking at the people groups who need to be reached, they're primarily central and north India. So reach, focus. So we could go personally if you want to, if the Lord moves you to. You could reach, you could go. Another interesting thing that I want to keep in mind about reaching is what is interesting is that there is this global trend, and this is not particular to India. Globally, there's this whole movement towards urban centers. People are moving towards cities, urban centers. So sometimes people from these people groups 
are right next to us. They've come for jobs and other things. They're right around us. So one is, of course, going there, but there's this other big trend that's happening globally. People are moving into urban centers. And so somebody, may not, the, not the whole community, but somebody from there may be right next to you and me, from these groups that need to hear the gospel. So that's one way we can reach, by just looking at people around us and impacting lives around us, or by going personally. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job and quit your studies. For some of you, that may be the happiest news. <laughs> pastor told me to quit my studies. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Each one has to follow what the Lord directs you to do. But I want you to be inspired by the lives of men and women who, throughout the centuries, have taken courageous steps to reach these unreached people groups. Think about William Carey. He left his homeland, England. For 40 years, he never returned. He gave his whole life, and he lived there, in, came to India, lived in the Sundarbans, Kolkata area, West Bengal. He spent his whole life there in India, and he left a lasting legacy. Think of Ida Scudder, came to India. Of course, her father was also a missionary. But they came, they came, they're all medical doctors, trained with the purpose of serving people. And what a lasting legacy they have left behind the Christian Medical College Hospital. It goes on. And like that, we could talk about so many people, people in Africa, uh, who, who, who left the lasting legacy. They went, physically went. They reached out. They were trained, skilled, but they went because they believed that the gospel should reach people and we should disciple people groups. And God may call us, giving us a new idea, a new strategy on doing something. And so some of us can do that. One of the things that we're doing, and this is not to brag about what we're doing, but just to let you know that something is happening, is that through APC, we are starting our outreach. We have been planting outreach churches. Of course, some of these churches are in cities, but some of them are in villages, in small towns, which are close by to uh, these unreached people groups. So some of our churches that, that are in Gujarat and Rajasthan and, and Chhattisgarh and uh, Orissa uh, and Madhya Pradesh, these are close by to these unreached people groups. And so the pastors there whom we are supporting are doing the work of reaching such people. The second thing way we, you and I can be involved is by equipping. And that's something all of us can be involved. That means you can go equip people who can then go and reach the people. So equip the workers who can go and get the work done. Are you with me? Right. So that's another way we can be part of this whole process. By equipping people. Training them so that they can be strong as they go about doing this work. That when we go out on our mission, mission conferences, and we have conferences, we're intentional about that. We want to equip the local people so that they can have impact. So I want to encourage all of us 
when we resume our mission trips, go. You know, you may spend a few nights sleeping in some place. It's okay. Go. Serve them. Equip them. Encourage them. Because they will go and do the work throughout the year of reaching people that need to be reached. Through our Bible college, through our printed resources, we are able to equip people who will then be able to reach these people groups. And uh, what we have seen in the past year is that, you know, the pandemic, of course, had its uh, impact in terms of students coming to study with us. But having moved online, we've now been able to, you know, we have on our e-learning portal about 950 students from 77 countries. That means they are accessing our resources and they can study, they can learn the things that we're teaching them. Of course, they have to put in the effort, but so many of these people from countries where they may not have a Bible college amongst them. They may not have, you know, somebody to come and teach them, but 77 countries, of course, there are developed countries as well, but many of them from Africa and other parts of, of, our, of the world can access our resources. So we are equipping them so that they can then reach people who need to be reached. I even lastly, we can support. So we can pray and we can also financially assist those who are involved in missions, whether it's individuals or mission organizations. We can assist them. We can be part of this process. So we can reach, that means you can go yourself, we can equip those who are doing the work, or we can support them through our prayer and our finances and help get this final work done. Amen? Worship team, please come. So, what should you do? What should I do? I'm not here to tell each one of us, you know, this is what you should do. That's not the point. The point is, God wants each one of us to do something. We are part of the church. And this is our mission. That the gospel must reach every unreached people group. How or what is your role in that? You have to pray and ask the Lord. Each one of us can do something. Maybe you can be part of the reaching part. Maybe you can be part of the equipping part. Or maybe you can be part of the supporting part. Doesn't matter. You're equally important because this is a process and we need everybody doing something. So, I want you to pray. I want you to do some research, if you want, you go online to some of these mission websites. Um, be a part of what is happening at APC as you know we resume our missions and get equipped yourself so that you can go and equip others. Uh, you have vacation time, go on those vacation times. You know, when I was working and when I was in the U.S., Amy and I we were living there. You know, like everybody else, you had four weeks of annual vacation. But we used to keep those vacation times for missions. 
Yeah, and then we, we traveled. We traveled twice to Ecuador, uh, went out there preaching. Uh, we traveled to other parts of Asia. Uh, so we would use our vacation time, you know, just like anybody else. You know, you only had four weeks of vacation, but we would use the vacation time to go on mission trips and make a difference. So you could, some of you may can do that. Now you're, you're working busy in some farm and some organization, but they give you holiday vacation. Take some time for your family, of course, but then some of those part of that vacation, you can say, I'm going to keep that to go on a mission trip. I'm going to do something to help those who are part of this fulfilling this church's final mission. I'm going to do something. Or maybe you could support some people. Oh, you know, whatever the Lord leads you to do, you pray and you do that. Amen? Will you be back next Sunday? <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. Let's rise up to our feet, please. And I want us to take a few moments just to pray and say, God, show me my part in the church's final mission. All right, you pray. God will speak to you. Each one of us can do something. And there's so much of inspiration we can draw from men and women of the past. How they, they lived lives with purpose. They did something to take the good news to people groups, to disciple people groups. They did something, each one. You pray. And Father, even as we stand here this morning before you, you have purpose written on every person's life. You have destiny, a divine purpose on every person's life, God. No one is standing here as an accident. No one is an accident. Every person has a purpose. And Father, we, and we pray, God, that you will speak to every person. Show them what they can do in this final mission of the church. What can they do? What is their part? Speak to each one, Father. And may everything you've placed in their lives, their abilities, their interests, their resources, their time, may it all somehow serve your purpose, the final mission of the church. May it serve the purpose of God. And Father, we pray especially for India, for our nation, God. There, there are so many unreached people, especially all across North India. So many. 
Help us to do our part. In Asia, in Africa, help us to do our part. Across the world, help us to do our part. We thank you. We thank you. We're just going to worship God for a few moments before we close. And please use this time for you to just connect with God and let Him speak to your heart.
let your purpose come now here in your presence all things are new here in your presence everything bows before you because you are So, Father, we pray that each one of us will be gripped by your vision, a heavenly purpose, something that you put in our hearts, and that, God, that we believe for what really matters. We will live for your purpose. Let, the, let your Holy Spirit work in each of our hearts and lives, we pray. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a quick announcement before the benediction. Today we're having water baptism service. So right after the benediction, I would exit, and along with some of our pastors, we'll go to the swimming pool right across in St. Joseph's. Uh, those of you who have come prepared for water baptism, please, as, soon, uh, as quickly as possible, uh, we will meet you there at, by the pool uh, for a water baptism. Uh, some of our pastors will be here to pray for you. Um, uh, just depending, I'm not sure who's going to... Okay. Oh, yeah, so Vinny's here uh, and... Um, if Pastor Jay Kumar and Pastor Roshan will also be here, I think. So they will be here to pray for you. Some of our pastors will be at the welcome lounge. And um, Pastor Nancy, myself, and Pastor Selena will head to the swimming pool for water baptism. Is that okay? All right? So let's close, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcw.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.